Let's look at some buy low and sell high trades in fantasy basketball. Who are we looking at? Well, we'll find out. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and yes, apparently Doc Rivers is going to be an NBA coach again. That's not even a joke. That's just something real that's happening and we have to deal with it amazingly. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Hit a double bang. Go watch the video. Listen to the audio. Do both. Give it a thumbs up. Subscribe. Also, you know what? Someone in the chat said, Josh, it sounds pushy when you say that. I take that on board. So the suggestion was... Thanks, everyone, for subscribing. Thanks for hitting the like button. I uh, really appreciate that you guys have done that. Maybe I should incorporate that into my double bank speech. I'll try it. I, I, do, I see the merit behind it. But what I do implore you to do, though, is... I know you've already done it, actually. Go check it out. The live trade deadline show, Thursday, February the 8th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. There's a landing page already. You can see it linked. It's up the top here somewhere. It's in the description. It's in the audio. Uh, go find it and get ready for that big trade deadline show. I have also already done a trade analysis show on the Terry Rogier to Miami deal. Check that out. That was done earlier today. And just the amount of stuff that's going on. Um, yeah, Adrian Griffin fired by the Bucks. Fair enough. It's ridiculous to have fired a guy in his first year, but that's the right. It's the right call. And then people go, look at their record, Josh. That's not really what it's about. It's about the way that the guy coaches. It's about the way he interacts with players. It's the way he interacts with other coaches. The fact that Terry Stotts was fired before the season starts was already a terrible sign. The fact that the players had to come to Griffo and say, bro, like, what is this scheme that you're running? The fact that they still don't look as good as their talent suggests means that he was the wrong hire. And cutting bait early on a coach is always the correct decision. Unless that means you hire Doc Rivers, which is just unfathomably bad. Now, Doc can be a solid regular season coach. He always seems to do better when his team becomes undermanned and he can get these guys to play. But he has proven years and years and years that he is outdated as an NBA coach. He's got significant playoff struggles. Just so many things with Philadelphia, with the Clippers. Just we've seen it for years. It is an insane hire. I, we'll see what happens. It is, it is ridiculous to me. Is it better than Adrian Griffin? Probably yes. Is it still probably the second worst choice you could have made? Also, yes. Unless we bring it back Nate Bjorken or Jim Boylan, it's a terrible move. The other thing that happened as well before we get into buy low, sell highs, which we are going to do today, by the way, just give you a quick note. And you know what we mean by buy low, sell highs. You don't have to trade. It's just about guys that are struggling, guys that are playing at a higher level, and that is likely to balance. And we talk about where that happens, why that happens, and how we be aware of it and what we can do in our in situations. The other news was, and I don't know if anyone predicted this. You'll have to let me know. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is now out for the next three games after he came back from his hamstring injury. I don't know. That's, that's, no one could have possibly seen this coming. Um, completely unpredictable. Um, and I love all the comments. Of course, I pre predicted this because I told you that was too early. And NBA teams, will, I will continue to say this, 
I will be wrong sometimes, but I'll be right a lot more times. The NBA teams rush players back from hamstring injuries too early all of the time. This is why this always happens. Always. It is insane that they do this. They have access to data, I am sure. What are they doing? So out another three games here, Tyrus Halliburton. It's always people that will, will clap back. Josh, what do you know? You're not a doctor. Oh, it looks like he's fine. He's young. No, this is what how hamstrings work. Ridiculous decision, embarrassing decision, and they're copying it. And I hope it doesn't become more serious from here. Just an insane, insane decision that was blindingly obvious that they should not have done it. Just blindingly obvious. And as much as I like the Pacers and their franchise and I'm excited for them, like eat shit. Like that is just a terrible decision that they shouldn't have made. All of that ranting out of the way. Will I talk about it later? Maybe, probably not. Let's do buy low, sell highs. Remember, if your team is littered with the guys on the buy low list, feel good, right? It means they're going to improve. What have we got? Like a 95% strike rate of those things happening. It means they're going to get better. If you've got guys on the sell high list, well, they're probably going to suffer a dip. Does it mean it's permanent? Not necessarily. And we treat fantasy trades, if you're going to be active in it, you treat it like a stock market thing. Sell at the peak, buy at the trough. And if you have to then buy and sell and buy and sell the same players, you do it. It's all about accumulating overall value. But you also don't have to do it. You don't have to go and get the buy low guy. If the price isn't low, don't get him. You don't have to move off the sell high guy. Just enjoy the ride unless you're getting a good price back. And then you just do it, right? That's all this is. It's not about this trade. It's not about you got to do this or you got to do that. None of that is true. So let's look back to how we went on this show two weeks ago, the week 12 buy low sell high recap. What's your guess? We had 10. How many do you think we hit as being correct? Let's find out. On the buy low side of things, we had Drew Holiday. He was 153rd. He's jumped to 103rd, a W. I'd still want him to be higher than 103rd. I think there's still a little bit more to improve there, but he's not going to be top 40, top 60, uh, maybe not even top 70 this season, but that's a nice jump up. Brook Lopez was 124th. He's now 31st. Cool. This guy has been wildly up and down all season. Just huge, huge variances in his production. DeJounte Murray, this is an interesting one. He was 111th. And I talked about it. I don't really like DeJounte much as a player. I think he's significantly overrated, but 111 was obviously just not where he should be. And he's now up to 32nd. It has coincided with a Trey Young absence for the last game, but not in all the games. And he's putting up good numbers. I do think that he will be traded and it will probably be to a worse situation. So he definitely flips, I believe, into a sell high now. He's not going to be on the sell high list today. Dame Lillard was 52nd. The people were so panicked about him. He's now 16th over the last two weeks. People still think Dame has been bad. Like It is insane to me that people think that he has had a bad season. Yeah, okay, cool. He's Yeah, he's like an early second round fantasy player who still has been really good. He's just not doing everything that you expect him to do and it's not that far off. That was an easy buy low. And Rudy Gobert, 103rd, down to 30th. Easy buy low as well. Really, really straightforward stuff, I think, with all of those buy lows. We nailed him, which is great. And that's five out of five. What about on the sell high side of things? How did that look? Well, I would say that, not I would say, going by the numbers, five out of five correct. But I'm going to be fair because some of them aren't really gigantic wins. They're sort of borderline. And you would say that you can't really classify them as wins. I'd say there's three of them there, which are technically Ws, but also not gigantic ones. So like, again, if we're going to go by the letter of the law, 10 out of 10. But three of them, and I'll, I'll be fair, three of them here were um, solid. Uh, that There was some decline, but also not a big drop-off. Still think it's coming. Jarrett Allen was fourth. Since then, he is 10th. 
he is going to fall significantly. When Evan Mobley returns, he will fall 50 spots, 60 spots. It's going to be a lot. Now, you've still got a month or so on that, I reckon, to, ha- to come. So if you do sell on Jared Allen, he's still a sell high. Understand you're going to be losing value in the interim. Jalen Brunson was 16th. He's 26th since then. That is a drop-off. That's second round to third round. I think he's like a 30 to 40 player in that zone. 26 is not outrageous. There's a little bit of sell high left on the bone there. Not much. We had Terry Rogier as a sell high. One of the easiest sell highs ever. And this was before Lamelo returned. 20th. And now he's 105th. And now he's in Miami. And 105th is maybe not far off where he is rest of the season. I think he is higher than that, but that is not that far off. The Bronco, Jalen Williams. While he still continued to be ridiculous, he has dropped a little bit. He was 24th. And now he's 33rd over the last two weeks. I still think there is sell high here in Jalen because these percentages, I know they've stuck for a month, but also for the first two months of the season or, or six weeks of the season, he was nowhere near it. So it doesn't a month's worth of shooting 60% doesn't mean that it holds for three more months. There is still plenty of sell high in Jalen Williams because those numbers just won't persist. Devin Vassell was an easy sell high as well, and now he very much transitions into a buy low. 26th he was, and now he's 145th. He has had some wild... Um, adjustments in his value over the course of the season too. That has happened um, quite a few times. Today's episode is brought to you by the legends that are Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. Who doesn't want Hungry Root delivered to their door? Well, you can get healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. You take a fun, short quiz. We all know quizzes are fun. And Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, how you like to eat, They ask what flavors you like, what appliances you use, and then they keep your needs and preferences. We all need to have our our root needs and preferences listed in a quiz. You can start building your cart with delicious recipes and all your hungry grocery needs. I put hungry in there, didn't need to. Grocery needs for the week. Hungry Root goes beyond your weekly grocery haul with thousands of easy recipes that actually put your groceries to good use before they get forgotten in the back of the fridge and develop um, amongst other things like mold and bacteria. Maybe they even get some like personality. And you don't want that. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That is HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use the link and they will know that we, we sent you. Yeah, we did. Today's episode is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. That is what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, roof racks don't really go with the style part of it. eBay Motors have you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With the parts that you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Oh, yeah. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to US customers. Cool. Good for them. All right, so let's let's do some buy lows. Let's go to Oklahoma City and let's talk about Chet. What is what is Chet abbreviated? I know it's not abbreviated from anything. I don't really have time to side note this, but I'm gonna. What, what's what do we Chet? Chet, Chestion, Chestifer, 
What's shit? There's got to be something better than anyway. Bad name, good player. 87th over the last um, two weeks in minus one rankings. He is 49th on Yahoo. He's averaging 34 fantasy points, which is 67. Averaging 15, 6, and 3.4. He's hitting a three a game with 0.6 deals and 2.1 blocks. And the thing here with Chet is that stickiness is really, really a big thing. Because we know that Chet was great to start the season. People have just written him in as the guaranteed rookie of the year. But they don't really pay attention to things have fallen off a little bit from Chet. He was starting this season with some of the most insane shooting numbers you'll ever see. And when you look at his numbers from Gonzaga, he was nowhere near those numbers. He was not a good free throw shooter. He was not this level of three-point shooter. None of that was happening in college. And then he came out of the NBA and started doing it. People went, all right, look at him. He's dominating. He's hitting these shots. And you know what's happening now? Well, none of that. 49% from the field, 26 from three, and 68 from the line. So I will always level um, some caution here about the the free throws in particular because he was like a 74 guy, I believe, at Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Um, and did not hit threes at this level. And that has consistently just fallen, fallen away. Now, he's still blocking shots at a high level, 2.1, but he was at 2.5 for the season. The assists have actually risen a little bit. His rebounding is down. His minutes are about the same. His usage is about the same. The shots just aren't falling, and that was a lot what was bringing the value to Chet. 26% from three, though, over the last two weeks. He's at 39 for the season, and even if we don't expect him to be a 40% shooter, which you shouldn't, or even a 38% or 39% shooter, which you shouldn't, you shouldn't expect him to be a 26% shooter either. So there's seven, eight percentage points worth of growth in his three-point shot, which of course takes his one threes per game number, which is where he's sitting over the last seven games. He's at 1.6 for the season. So he can easily hit back to that number, which bumps the 14.9 points up to like 15 to 16 points a game. Maybe 16 and a half points a game. An extra half a three, more than half a three, we get above that. So there's obviously a huge bump there. And then your 49 from the field becomes 52 from the field. I've got him projected at actually around 54 for the season from the field. So plenty of room, I think, to grow there. The other thing is, is the free throws are way down, 68%. So he's turned from a positive into a big negative in that category. He doesn't take huge amounts, only three attempts from the line, but going from an 80% free throw shooter down to a 68% shooter is a big difference. And again, free throws also impact your scoring. So if he's hitting one fewer free throw per game, which is he actually, let's have a look. He is at yeah 1.9 versus 2.7. So that's 0.8 points again. So that easily pushes you back to 17 points per game. And then you're back from 87th back inside, probably the top 50 relatively comfortably. All it takes is not even getting back to the levels at the start of the season, just getting back to 76% from the line. Getting back your threes to 33%, 34%. And it's just an easy, an easy jump without getting back to the insane numbers to begin with. I would be thinking that he's a top 50 player. If I could get Chet in exchange for a top 50 guy, I would. I wouldn't go top 30, wouldn't go top 40. Otherwise, I'd just let him be on somebody else's team. But also, if you've got Chet, understand that there are going to be some pretty big jump-ups, I think, coming over the coming weeks. Again, I will stress, he was not this shooter in college. Speaking of not being a shooter... What about De'Aaron Foxy Fox? One of the funniest bylows or so sell highs I ever did because people love to defend this guy. He's got a very, very impassioned fan base. And I was, I very much was cautious with him in the offseason, telling you about the numbers from last season, which had zero chance of sticking. And then he came out and they didn't stick. And then something else came out of nowhere. And I went, oh, I'm not actually sure about this part sticking either. And guess what? It did not. And he is in a huge slump. But now he's in a situation where he just sucks at the moment and he needs to get better. 
And sucks is a relative term. He's 89th in minus one rank. He's 69th on Yahoo over the last two weeks, averaging 37 fantasy points, which is 49th. You go, 49th, that's great. It is like a top 15 fantasy points guy normally. It's a big, big drop-off. He's averaging 23.9 points with three rebounds and 4.1 assists. He's their starting point guard. He's averaging 4.1 assists. Hmm. 2.9 triples, 1.7 steals, and 0.1 blocks. So even though he's down at like 89th, he's still delivering like huge steal numbers, which hasn't always been the case. He was at 1.1 last season, 1.2 last season. So honestly, this could be way worse than it currently is. But what is happening at the moment? Well, his two-point percentage last season was insane. We talked about it. The most ridiculous finishing season at the rim ever from any guard ever. And it was never going to hold. He was at 58% from two last season. He's at 51 this season. But he's at 48 over the last two weeks. Now, in the past, he's been around 52, 53. So I'm not expecting him to be a 48% two-point guy, but the mid-range is done. The rim finishing is nowhere near it. These are all relatively predictable things. But now it's swung too far in the other direction, and now I'm going to tell you that I agree with the stands of De'Aaron Fox, that he's a better shooter than this, and this is going to push back up. The other thing that is interesting is his usage has disappeared. He's at 31.5 for the season, 30 last year. He's down at 27.7. And I'll just say something about that. I am. I don't think we guarantee that it hits back to 31. It might. But we've seen in that time Keegan Murray take a step up in usage. That's something worth monitoring, as well as the assist down from 5.6 to 4.1. Big drops. But it's really this shooting number which is going to fall away. He's still hitting 40% on threes. He's at 69 from the line, but he's been bad from the line all season. Although last season, 78. So there is some scope to improve that. Um, I would be okay getting him for a top 40 guy, but I would be very cautious because I think he's got to be a punt free throw player. His overall rank will skew on Yahoo because of the way that they incorrectly value the categories. So be aware of that. But there is plenty of room, despite me not believing in him as an elite shooter, for that two-point percentage to even exceed his overall number at 51%. That can go up to 53. The um, assist can hit back to five pretty easily. And even the usage could bump up another usage point or two, 29 maybe. Maybe it's not 31. Maybe he gets back to 29. I think there is still some scope for that to um, be able to improve relatively, relatively easy. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL season is getting close to the end, but that does not mean that you can't get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that bet doesn't even have to win. You just got to place the $5 bet if you're a new customer, and they give you $150 in bonus bets, and then... Check out how easy everything is to use on the site. Their Explore tab shows all the things that they've got available, all the different bet types. You've got your sides and totals and money lines and straight ups and futures and player props and, of course, parlays. But they've got the Parlay Hub to show that you that as well. Live same-game parlays. You can go and check out the Parlay Hub and check what other parlays people have produced. And you can go in there and either copy those parlays. You can make your own. You can post them in the Parlay Hub, I believe. I think that's how it works. You can go and do that on the Parlay Hub as well. So go to fanjul.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanjul is an official partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Okay, let us go on to the next one. We haven't really gotten very far here, have we? Let's go to your Orlando Magic. Uh-huh. It is Paulo Banquero, who is one of those players who, if you are an absolute simp for rankings, you will hate him. Oh, he's actually terrible. Can't roster him, actually, Josh. Not even rosterable. Terrible player. Just useless. 
if you simp for rankings, that is. Someone tweeted me two days ago and they were like, Josh, our league is up in arms about a trade that went through. It was a, a Roto League. It was Tyler Hero for Polo Bunkero. I went, all right. Because, yeah, they're, everyone's complaining. Oh, it's terrible. And I go, I actually don't know which side they're complaining about. But then I thought, if they're in a Roto League, they're going to be whinging that Polo is actually ranked 170th and that's such a ripoff. But then, of course, you know, something happens. Terry Rogier moves to Miami. Tyler Hero loses some value. And the way that people value players is so ridiculous. So there's always opportunities to buy low on someone like Polo Bunkero. 180th over the last two weeks. And you know that I do try to adjust the way that I formulate my rankings to make it make more sense. But that is not to deny... He's sucked. Like, he's been bad. That is why he's on this buy low show. He's really struggling. He's 212th in that same time frame on Yahoo, averaging 36 fantasy points, which is 57th. Also, again, I've given you this tip before. If you want to see if a player's recent form, what it really means and how bad is it, look at fantasy points. They're not as... They're not as um, subject to the wild swings and variations that category ranks can be due to weird shooting or weird defensive low-volume stat fluctuations. So, yeah, Polo's a better player than the 57th best points league guy. He's like a top 30-ish, top 25-ish player. So he's down to 57, so it's definitely a drop-off. But he's not unrosterable, which 180th would suggest to you. So often... Often that's a good way of just getting an extra calibration on where a player actually sits versus what their regular numbers are. How far has that deviated? 20 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, and 4.8 assists. Counting stats are actually pretty okay. The problem is where the other stuff comes in. 0.93s, 0.6 deals, and 0.5 blocks. They are really poor numbers. And then he tops it off with 40% shooting, 22 from three, and 63 from the line. That is a 46% true shooting. So you can tell me that Paul is a bad field goal guy, and I agree with you, he's not a great one. You can tell me he's a bad three-point shooter, I also agree with you, he's not a good one. You can tell me he's a bad free-throw shooter, and guess what? I will also agree with you on that. But he's not this. He's not 40, 22, and 63. He, he isn't. He will be better than this. His true shooting for the season is 54. Not a good number. It's below average. You want that at 56, 57. Ideally, you want him to hit 60 at some point. He's nowhere near that. But there is so much... 46 is Cam Thomas. Like, we can really do a lot better than that. Throw in the fact that even though he's not known as a defensive stack guy, he's Julius Randle style, he's averaging a steal per game this season. He's at 0.6 over the last two weeks. You add an extra 0.4 on there, a 67% increase, you've already just lopped 30 spots off your ranking number and dropped it down. You get your 40% shooting, which is where it is over the last two weeks for Paolo, and for the season, he's at 45 hitting 35% from three and 70 from the line. Just get all those numbers back there and he's a top 100 guy really easily. And in whatever the way you're looking in a head-to-head league, you've got certain builds and punts and all that sort of stuff, kind of count for all of that. But you know, minus one does a somewhat of a, an idea. And the idea with minus one, by the way, if you don't know what it is, it is taking away a player's worst category. I never include turnovers to begin with, but taking away a player's worst category, it's not a great tool to use to draft players. I don't believe I don't believe in that at all because... Ideally, we want to be building around strengths and you know, either insulating weaknesses or disregarding weaknesses, depending how we want to build. Whereas minus one is just a better evaluation tool to say whether this player is producing at a better level than this player as a macro, not as an individual for your team. So I never look at minus one as a great way of um, assessing value on, in a draft or even doing a trade because that becomes more team-specific in category leagues. I hope that makes sense. I would be... Like, I'd be more than happy to give up a top 85, top 90 player for Palo. I just think the value of a 20-point-per-game guy who can be... What's the averaging for the season? 23, 7, and 5 with a steal. Like, that's that's just can't be found. 
Yes, the percentages are a problem, but those counting stats, they can't be found. You can't make them up. You can't just find that anywhere. And you've got to have certain, again, either like fail safes or punts, whatever, understandable. I'd be happy giving up a top 85 for Palo. In a points league, I'd give up a top 50 guy without any question, top 40 player, not even a single debate about that at all. Let's go to Minnesota where Anthony Edwards has been um, struggling. I've talked about this for a little bit of time, saying I'm a bit worried about what's happening here with Ant. Hip injury, but you know this guy has to be the toughest bastard in the world. Knee problem. I've got to play through. I've got to play through. Do you? Do you though? And now an illness, and he's struggling. There were, there was a groundswell for Anthony Edwards to be a first-round pick in fantasy this season, which was, I thought, clearly ridiculous at the time. And we talked ad nauseum about how does he get there? There are so many things that he has to do to get there that I just don't think he can. And we can talk about giant bust. Shout out to my mate, Jordan Poole, one of the worst decisions I've ever made. He's been terrible. But taking Anthony Edwards in round one is a killer. Like That is a bad move. That would have been a terrible move. And he sort of skates under under the radar a little bit. Never really heard anyone criticize him whatsoever for his fantasy value this season. None. But he's he's struggling at the moment. But now the buy low is here. He's 106th over the last two weeks, 99th on Yahoo. He's averaging 34 fantasy points, which is 70th. He's averaging 20 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 5.9 assists. Love those assists. He's at 1.43s, 0.5 steals, and 0.1 blocks. Well, there's your problem, isn't it? There's a bit of an issue. He's hitting 47 from the field, 31 from three, and 81 from the line. So let's talk about it. Edwards is up to 38% on his threes this season. So when you go for a stretch of 31 shooting over eight games, it's a real problem. It drops down your overall field goals, your overall three-pointers made is at 1.4 versus 2.4 for the season, and your scoring. Number one, easy fix. The next thing is this man's averaging 1.2 steals for the season, which, by the way, is down on last season. He was at 1.6. Part of the appeal that people were using to look at him as a first-round pick was, well, look, at he gets defensive numbers. He's going to up his usage. His efficiency will go up. And his usage has gone up, but we've seen this time and time again. When your usage goes up, your defensive stats, they usually go down. Shout out to Shea Gildas-Alexander, who somehow is maintaining some of the most insane numbers we've ever seen. But Edwards isn't able to do it. So 0.5 steals over the last two weeks versus 1.2 for the season. That's just a big area of improvement. He's also, he's, look, he's at 47% from the field the last two weeks. That's better than his season-long number, which is at 46. He has really not improved at all in that area. His last three seasons field goals gone from 44 to 46 to 46. What he did show an improvement on this season was taking his free throws from 76 up to 84. But they're also down at 81 now over the last two weeks. So again, some slight red flags here. I think he's a little beat up. The usage is also down to 27, where he's been running at 32 for the season, so that's worth monitoring. Part of that is Towns doing a lot more. But there are this is a, a, a dip. This is a valley for Anthony Edwards, I think. And Goose will come out of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not hating on him at all. I do think that he's better than this. I think that he can be a top 25 guy. I would not give up a top 25 player to get him. Obviously, he's 106th. I'd be okay giving up any sort of back-end third-round player, a top 35 sort of a guy to get him uh, in this buy low, understanding that there are some medical things that I'm a little worried about, but I do think that there is some very obvious room for improvement or areas for improvement, and he'll come out on the other side. And he'll have a stretch where he is a top 12 player for two, three weeks or something coming up in the future. Pretty easy, I think, buy low for Ant. And your last buy low is Jalen Johnson, who... 
was obviously one of the breakout stars of the season. I believe he should be in the running for most improved player. He was a guy that we were pretty interested in as a late round pick. Really excited about what he could do. A bit skeptical about how Quinn Snyder would do it, but he's obviously exceeded all, exceeded all expectations. He's 70th over the last week. And you might say 70th. What, what's wrong with that? Well, he's way better than that. 36th in Yahoo, which again is weirdly high um, because he never turns it over. And we know how much they love that. If you don't turn it over, they froth a lack of turnovers. And in points leagues, he's 53rd, averaging 36 fantasy points. 14.8 points, 8.3 rebounds, 3.6 assists with 1.3 triples, 1.9 steals and one block, which are actually pretty high. 1.9 steals with one block are insanely high numbers. The block can hold, the steals won't. But he's also not shooting. 45% from the field, 34 from three, and 64 from the line. That's really really bad. His two-point numbers for the season, 61. Last season, 59. The year before that, where he barely played, it was 68. We can expect around 60% two-point percentage, I think. So that is just a gigantic jump. You jump that up, that 45% gets to 50%. Your scoring moves up to 16, 17 points. Bang, you're already smashing through the top 50. And what else is happening? Well, he is a 74% free throw shooter this season. Now, to be fair, I'm a little worried because he was a 63% shooter last season from the line and he was rolling at like 81 to begin this season for the first three months or whatever it was, two months. And since then, it's been a steady decline and he's down to 72 over his final uh, last 15 games. 72 is a big, big difference versus 64 though. So maybe he's not back to 80. Maybe he is just a mid free throw shooter who doesn't take huge volume, but it does hurt you. I just have very solid confidence that he's not a 64 guy, even though, again, he was 63 last season. Now, that 63 last season was on really limited attempts. I'm just going to go and have a look at how many. 78 attempts. He was 49 of 78. And this season, he has taken, what, 74 already this season. That's not that many. But obviously, he's only played 29 games. And the difference between um, being a 74% shooter this season and 63 last season is six made free throws. That's the difference. So it's really easy on this lowish volume to drop and to jump back up. And that is really impacting what he does. I think he's a top 50 guy rest of season. I would be happy to give up a top 50 player to get him. I don't think that there's any like, he's not being traded or he's not being marginalized and someone's not coming in in his place. I feel really confident in his role, his minutes, um, his usage, which doesn't need to be high. I worry that those steal numbers will come down a little bit. I worry about the free throws, but I've got extreme confidence in the overall field goal percentage and even the three-point percentage, I think is going to jump back up. So I do think that he is a pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting, uh, what do you call it? Sell high, it was a buy low player. That is the buy lows done. Let's look at some sell highs. And we're going to go to Los Angeles. And we're going to talk about D'Angelo Russell because I expected this morning to wake up to D'Angelo Russell being traded. I, I don't know how I, I, I thought. I'd wake up, there's going to be a trade, I'm going to have to do a show. And there was, it just wasn't the one that I thought. I, I feel relatively confident DeJounte Murray's heading to the Lakers. Um, but I don't think Russell's going to end up in Atlanta. I have no idea where he's going to end up. So part of the seller high on him is that. He's also one of those guys, understanding the cultural zeitgeist around the NBA about which players have their fans really like simping for is important to note as well because he's one of them. You say something critical about him, the people go, yeah, he's terrible. Nah, man, this guy's sick. Look at the numbers. 18 and seven, he can help any team. He's just never put in the right spot. There are those, and you're going to be listening to this. I know you there. You are there. There is a D'Angelo Russell fan here who is ready to rip my throat out because I said he's not that good. There is someone there who says that. Terry Rozier doesn't have people reacting that way. Terry Rozier doesn't have that level of standom. There's no one who does, there's not 
well, no, there's no one. There's a few, but there are certain players who just have that insane like fan base around them, and this bloke is one of them. So take advantage. The problem is, is that likely those people drafted D'Angelo Russell. So he was really struggling. Coming, uh, starting, minutes were dropped to 24, came off the bench, played under 20 minutes. And I was like, all right, I don't think he's very good. They've made the decision for the second time in eight months that he's a bench player. That's not great either. I don't know what team is trading for him to be a starter. I don't see how that works. So I was like, you know what? In a shallow league, I'm not sure that you need to hold on. That was a mistake because since then, he's dominated. He's 19th in the last two weeks. 15th on Yahoo, 38 fantasy points, which is 40-30. He's averaging 24 points with 1.9 rebound. That is a comically low number. 6.1 assists playing next to LeBron is huge. He's averaging four threes a game with 0.9 steals and 0.7 blocks. Starting to see where we're going with this. He's hitting 59% of his twos over the last seven games. For reference, he's at 53 for the season. He was at 54 last season. He was at 49 the year before that. He was at 47 the year before that. So let's be generous and say he can be a 55% shooter from two. That's still four percentage point drop. And of course, that means his overall shooting line, which is 55 from the field, 50 from three, massive red flag, and 81 from the line. So we already know those twos are going to drop. And you can't, no one can argue with me that he is a 50% three-point shooter because as we know, nobody is. He's at 41 for the season. And even that, I would say, is too high. He was at 39.6 last season, 34 the year before that, 38.7. 40, no problem. 39, fine. 42 or 41, probably a bit on the high side. 50, insane. Just not going to hold. So therefore, his 3.9 triples, not going to hold. His scoring, not going to hold. His field goal percentage, not going to hold on two fronts. None of this is going to stick. He's also, for some reason, running 26 usage despite playing next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm not really sure that's going to hold. He was at 22 last season, 25 the year before for that. And that was in Minnesota. I don't know what team it is that he goes to. I don't know what, where he goes, where he maintains that usage. Maybe he does. Maybe I'm wrong. But what it doesn't actually matter, even if he's traded or not, because he's not going to be the shooter. It's just not going to happen. I, I guarantee you, it might happen for two more weeks. It might happen for three weeks. It will not happen long-term. I guarantee you this. Guaranteed. I would, and you, I would be, if I had him, I would want a top 75 player back. And you might think that's ridiculously low, Josh. I just don't rate him that high. I think that there's too many holes in his game. There's too much risk of him moving to a worse situation and a big drop-off coming. But you might, like if you're selling him, maybe top 75, maybe you can get top 50 back for him. I doubt it. But he does have that, whatever it is that he brings, he has it. Dan Gafford. He was a feature of this show early in the season as a um, as a as a buy low because people were panicking like crazy on this guy. He's the player that I have rostered in more leagues than anybody. I've got him in four of my leagues because it was obvious to me at the time that they have no other centers and he can be a good fantasy producer. And then I got a little bit dicked early on, but he he's fine. He's been good. But now we're at a stage where it is too high. He's 37th in minus one over the last two weeks. Weirdly, just 105th on Yahoo. I don't know about that one. 33 fantasy points, which is 76. He's averaging 11.3, 6.8 rebounds and 1.8 assists. Hasn't hit a three, of course, but this is where the kicker is. 1.5 steals and 2.8 blocks, hitting 73 from the field and 70 from the line. And this is one of those ones. We'll talk, we'll talk about field goals in a second. 2.8 blocks over the last two weeks. He's a good shot blocker. We know this. But he's at 2.1 for the season. He was at 1.3 last season. Going from 2.8 to 2.1 doesn't feel like much because they're both outlier high numbers. But it's a huge difference in the way you value a player. 
It's basically three versus two. It's 12 blocks for a week instead of um, eight blocks for a week. It's a big difference. Those numbers fudged a little bit. It's just, it's unrealistic to expect him to play 31 minutes a night to begin with. Now that I think Bagley will push him back to 28, I do believe that. I don't think it'll be a 24 split, but I don't think we'll get 31 out of Gaff. But also that block rate is just too high. He's at 3.2 per 36, which he's never been able to have really at any point outside of the first season when he was traded to the Wizards and played 14 minutes a night. And we all know block rates per 36 are way higher when you play fewer minutes. He's also averaging 1.5 steals per game. He's at 0.9 for the season. Last season, 0.4. The year before, 0.4. And you'll say they're on lower lower minutes, Josh. That's true. Let's look at per 36. He was at 0.7 steals per 36 last season, 0.7 steals per 36 the season before. He's at 1.3 steals per 36 this season, and that's up to 1.7 over the last two weeks. So blocks and steals are going to come down. And field goals. Because it's 73. And again, we know Daniel Gafford is a big field goal contributor. And it's one of those ones. When you're at the top, he's at 69% for the season. But then you push it even further to 73. Well, you go, well, they're both good. What do you care? 73 to 69 is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a drop. Right? It, it is a drop. And that is going to have an impact. It might be a small impact, but you might lose a point. You might lose half a point per game. You might lose 10 spots of value from a field goal percentage category. Just all these little things add up. You can still be awesome at field goals and be a huge strength there without being 99th, 100th percentile, which is where he currently sits. If I could get a top 50 player back for Gafford, top 45, I would. I, don't, I wouldn't trade him away for a top 70 guy um, because I still really believe in him. But the other thing is, that, and I don't actually believe this, but I can't ignore it. The, the Wizards could do anything. They could blow anything up. Poole, Kuzma, Jones, Gafford. They could all be moved. That is possible as well. And if Gafford gets moved, he's not going to have the, I don't think, the exact same opportunity that he had in Washington, which hurts as well. That's why I'd be inquiring about getting someone back. I debated whether I was going to keep Brandon Miller on this list because I had him as a sell high, one of the first names I put down on the list. And then, of course, the trade happened in um, with Terry Rozier going to Miami. And I looked at this and went, actually, Josh, it's a perfect time to, to sell high on Brandon Miller because the, the excitement will be there. Number two overall pick has the game that people love to get uh, excited about. Ooh, it's shades of Paul George. He's really going to blow up. Look at the last couple of games, right? You're getting the propaganda pushed through on Brandon Miller at the moment. And the clearing out of Terry Rozier, they will, maybe they buy out Gordon Haywood. Do they move on from Miles Bridges? Um, you know, does Kyle Lowry move on again? They're just going to put the ball in Miller's hands and they shut down LaMelo Ball. All that stuff is floating around at the moment. So not only is he playing well at the moment, and by playing well, he's 100th in minus one over the last two weeks. You said, that's ridiculous, Josh. He's been way better. No, he hasn't. Because he had a a string of a couple of good games, three good games in a row since he came back from injury. Prior to that, nine points, four points, 15 points, then one point in an injured game. He has really struggled with efficiency, but now he's come back, he's hit everything, he's made a million shots, and... There's the luster of they're going to clear it all out for him to do a lot of stuff. He's 100th in fantasy points, averaging 28. He's averaging 18, 4.4, and 2. 2.6 dribbles, 0.8 steals, 0.2 blocks. Massive red flag there. Defensive stats and counters. 4.4 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.8 steals. He's a bad combo. And he's doing this by hitting 53 from the field, 46 from 3, and 81 from the line. He's hitting 59% from twos since he returned from injury. 
59% from twos. I'm just going to check this. Actually, that's no. The, the last two weeks actually includes the game where he played nine minutes, where he had one point and missed all five of his shots. So that 59.4% from two includes a game where he went 0 of 5 from the field. And how many of those were two-pointers? Let's have a look. Four. He went 0 of 4 from two. And that's 59% including that game. He's at 47 for the season. He was not a high percentage two-point guy at Alabama either. I think 48 or 49%. He's also hitting 46% from three. And he's at 38 for the season. He's been a good shooter. He's not going to be a 46 guy. So everything is coming together. He's come back. He's put together three big games in a row. 24-9-2, and 23-7-3, 27-3-2. They came on 53% shooting, 47 and 86 or 85% shooting. Insane efficiency numbers. You tie that in with the trade, and I've said target top 90. You might Honestly, you might be able to get more because I still don't have him projected to be a guaranteed top 100 player rest of season because I worry about will he ever get assists? Will there be any defensive stats? And this efficiency, I'm not sure I really buy it because despite this really strong run over his last 22 games, he's at 42% from the field, including 44 from, from um, two and 40 from three. It's just been a really hot run a five-game run, including a bad one in there, where he's been insane. And the narrative here is, is really one of the keys, I think, here with Brandon Miller. Let's go to Washington. Kyle Kuzma, the future MVP, probably won't win it this season, but we've still got time. He has been on this list a few times this season as well. He's actually on the Buy Low Show about three, four weeks ago. That paid off. And now he's gone to the other extreme. He's 41st over the last two weeks. He's 56th on Yahoo. He's 40, uh, 40 fantasy points, 37th there. He's a risk to be traded. He's averaging 17.3 points with eight rebounds and 5.2 assists, 1.5 triples, and here's the kicker for you, 1.3 steals and one block. Remember those numbers. He's at 40% from the field, 29 from three, and 88 from the line, and they are crazy numbers too because while he's not a super efficient player, he's at 45% from the field. That's better, better than 40, so he can actually improve that. He's three-point numbers for the season, 34. He was at 33 last year, 34 the year before that. But he's down at 29, so we can actually improve that. The thing that I'm looking at is going, how is, why is he hitting free throws now? Because he was at 73 last season and 71 last the year before. Now, he is at 78 for this season, but he's up to 88 over his last six games. So there is, yeah, let's, let's say he can be an 80% shooter. That's an 8% drop-off. But what if he goes back to being a 74% shooter? It's a 14 percentage point drop-off. That's a huge dip. And this man has a history of never doing anything defensively. 0.5 steals, 0.6 blocks for the season. Last season... 0.6 steals, 0.5 blocks. The year before, 0.6 steals, 0.9 blocks. The year before, 0.5 steals, 0.6 blocks. The last week, 1.3 steals and one block. It's basically double your normal steal rate. It's over double. It's almost triple his steal rate for the season. And it's almost double your block rate. And that's just bumped him way up. And I don't buy that at all. I don't buy the free throws, even if I do buy that the other percentages will improve. There is a risk of a trade. There is a risk of a shutdown for him in April if you are foolish enough to play there. I think if you get a top 75 back uh, guy for him in, in points leagues, top 50 guy, in category leagues, top 75 guy back, you'd be pretty happy with it. But he does fluctuate quite a bit. And the last name we're going to look at is a guy that I really, really enjoy. Scarf Connoisseur OG Ananobi, who, again, narrative plays a part. He's 47th over the last two weeks in minus one rankings. Yahoo ranks him 18th because they're insane. He is... Um, 81st in points leagues, averaging 32 fantasy points. He's at 16.6 points, 5 rebounds, 1.4 assists. 
totally reasonable, fine numbers, which is slightly higher than in Toronto because he's playing four extra minutes per game. That's happening. That's all good. He's shooting 53 from the field, 42 from three, and 91 from the line. Oh, there you go. There's a red flag, isn't there? Huge red flag in terms of where the value goes. 66 true shooting. The man has topped 61% never. Red flag. He's also a really good defender. We know this. He's at 0.7 blocks for the season. You go, well, that's because he just wasn't motivated in Toronto, Josh. Okay. He was at 0.7 last season. He was at 0.5 the year before that. He was at 0.7 the year before that. He's at 1.9 in the last seven games. Is it a Tom Thibodeau defensive scheme thing that lets his small forward um, get two blocks a game? Not really. I don't think anyone can expect that sort of number. The steal numbers, I agree. They've got room to improve. He went from 1.9 last season down at one. So that could, that could actually improve. And then he's doing all of that while hitting 91 from the line. He's at 79 for the season, 84 last season. He's hitting 42% of his threes. Last season, he was at 39. This season, he's at 38. And all these little things add up. If your 90% free throws go down to 82, if your 43% threes go down to 39, if your two-pointers, which are sitting at um, 60%, go down to where they were last season, 54. And I don't think they will because he is being used differently in that respect. He's doing a lot of cutting and finishing at the rim. That, that can drop, but he's been sitting at 60 all season. Still miles above what he's ever done. Pair that in with the blocks. And I'm, as much as we can shit on Tom Thibodeau, He's just he's not going to play 38 every single night. 38 to 36 is a difference. But he's rolling. People do really believe there were some people who would, would take him in the 40s of drafts before this season. I think he can get a top 45 guy back. I think he can get a top 40 player back. Because they're doing it on the back of some really high defensive numbers, which I just don't think's gonna hold. Or they're gonna say he's playing for Tom Thibodeau, he's just gonna keep getting all these minutes and racking up big numbers. And I'm not really sure that's accurate either. And that is the end of a buy low, sell high show, which as per usual, went way too long. Go ahead and, um, you know, to do, you can go and double bang video, audio, give that a thumbs up. Actually, thank you for already giving it a thumbs up. Thank you for subscribing. I love everyone who has subscribed. Um, You're all a huge piece of my heart. So go and um, just reaffirm that love that you're getting. (laughs) Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.